0: Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 a familiar verse Galatians five 22. I'll be in the New International Version this morning I explained why last week the, the New International Version when talking about the Holy Spirit is very consistent referring to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit not sometimes the Holy Spirit and sometimes the Holy Ghost. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. This morning I have a kind of three parts to what I'd like to share with you. The first part is in talking about the definition of of the fruit of the Spirit. And the second part is the definition of the effects of the Spirit, distinct from the fruit of the Spirit, the effects of the Spirit. And finally, I'll put the two together, the fruit of the Spirit and the effects of the Spirit, Lord willing. Uh, I'm in a a series now about the effects of the Holy Spirit in in contrast to the fruit of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit. Last week, I talked to you about one particular gift of the Spirit, the gift of tongues. And if you will, during this series, allow me to kind of bounce back and forth between the effects of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to kind of bounce around between those and not, uh, not have to be tedious about covering each one each time I share with you. This morning, I'm only going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the effects of the Holy Spirit. Here we see fruit. It's a category named by the Bible. And the Bible is not defining fruit like a dictionary would. Fruit means Instead, it's defining fruit by many examples. Nine examples are given here, including love, joy, peace, and others. We should understand what is meant by fruit of the Spirit when we look at these examples. And I don't really think there's anything wrong with thinking or even speaking of fruits, plural. Even though we don't usually use in the English language the word f- fruits, plural, like that, fruit singular is our common way to refer to fruit even when we mean many different kinds of fruit. For instance, we go to the grocery store and we go to the fruit aisle or the fruit department or the fruit section. And then when we go into the fruit section, we see apples and bananas and pears and a whole big selection. And when we... uh uh. Go to the market somebody might ask us well what did you buy at the market and you'll say i bought fruit oh you did what did you get i got um uh, grapes and and uh, apples and bananas and they're all so fresh and they were so inexpensive at the market oh you got a wonderful selection of fruit we use the singular the spirit produces these things, and that's why they're called fruit, because it is the, it is the produce, for, to go back to the grocery store, the produce of the spirit. And uh, we, uh, we even refer in the Bible to the fruit of the womb, and the fruit of the loins, and this refers to the children that um, a man and a woman will have together. They will parent and bring forth their children. I have four children, they are our fruit. Let me think if I could remember their names. Uh, no, the pressure's on, I'll, I'll do that another time. Um, so it, it's common to say our children are, and a biblical to say our children are our fruit. The fruit of the vine. Would we say our children are our effects? And that would be a little uncomfortable to say that, wouldn't it? Not really a comfortable word choice. The fruit of the womb, that's children. The effects? No, it doesn't seem to fit. Well, this suggests that there is a distinction between the fruit of the Spirit and the effects of the spirits, The idea that we're going to explore this morning. What is the fruit of the Spirit? We have nine examples here, but let me tell you that I don't believe that it is only nine, that it is limited to nine, because verse 23 ends, look at the end of verse 23 with me, against such things... There is no law against such things. The King James just says, against such. There is no law. The New International Version adds things. The Greek word means this kind. Against this kind, there is no law. And that language allows for more members of the set. More members to the set, as long as we stay within the kind. This is nine kinds of the fruit of the Spirit. It reminds me of Genesis chapter 1, where we read about how the plants made seed after their kind, and the, and the creatures of the sea had offspring of their kind and the flying creatures had offspring of their kind and so on. Here we have the Spirit producing its kind and it includes love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. I usually, uh, when I say the list, I usually say it in the King James Version. What is the what is after the Holy Spirit kind here? What do love, joy, peace, forbearance, and kindness and all of them taken together define by this list of examples? One, they're all produced by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. Two, the law of Moses does not prohibit any of them. It says at the end, Against this kind, against such things, there is no law. And if you read the whole book of Galatians, you'll find that it is a a strong dissertation putting the law of Moses in its place. That the law of Moses is not the path of salvation. And so whenever you see the word law in the book of Galatians, you have, to re- you have to think to yourself about the Mosaic law, the Jewish law. There's no law in the law of Moses against love, joy, peace, forbearance, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self-control. There's no law against any of these things. But I would say also in Paul's context, he's talking to a Roman province, Galatia, highly influenced by the Greek culture. Also very powerful in the Mediterranean world was the Egyptian culture. And there's nothing here nothing listed here uh, uh, in this fruit of the Spirit that is against the law of Moses, the law of Rome, the law of Greece, the law of Egypt, or any other human law that you can mention. There are weird laws, weird rules, if you ask me, that keep us from doing loving things, like sharing the gospel with the hurting, and hopeless children in central New York. Imagine, you can't go into a public school and preach the gospel. That, to me, is weird. That is a strange law. When you've got rampant depression, overflowing anxiety, the tortures of stress, worry and fear among the young people of Onondaga County and you can't go into the public school and preach the answer, that's a weird law. That's strange. That's bizarre. It's crazy. But here's the thing. Suppose you're a public school teacher. You could still be a loving person. You could still be a person of joy. You could still be a person surrounded by and producing peace. You could still be long-suffering. You could still have self-control. You could still be patient. You could still be kind. You could still be good. There's no law against that. There's a crazy law against preaching the gospel in the public school, but there's no law against showing the fruit of the Spirit. Suppose you're a cop. It's your job to arrest bad people. It's the law. They're breaking the law. Wow, I was on the way to church this morning corner of Thompson Road and I think it's Salt Springs Road by Lemoyne College, a guy just flies through the stop sign. Doesn't even slow down right in front of me. Good thing I was stopping for it like a good citizen. I'm so good, right? Uh, He flies through it, then goes down the hill on Thompson Road and goes through the red light without ever slowing down. Boy, I wish a policeman was around to see that guy and arrest him. Your job, if you're a cop, is to arrest the bad people, to stop the bad people. However, that doesn't mean that you can't be loving, patient, kind, good, joyful. There's no law against any of that. You're not required to be mean, Your workplace, this will uh, hit Pater with uh, many of you. Your workplace may not want you to rejoice in loud singing in the Lord in the hallway. <laughs> this is the day, this is the day. <laughs> they might tell you to hold it down. That won't happen here. That won't happen at Christian health. At Christian health, if you go down the hall singing at the top of your lungs, glory to God in the highest, nobody will make you stop. People will join in. But I know in a lot of your workplaces, you will be required, you would be told to stop. You can't do that. That's another strange law. That is not the law of the nation, it's the law of that workplace. They might even stop you from playing happy Christian uh, um, Christmas music. You might not even be allowed to play Christmas carols like "Oh Holy Night," you know, fall on your knees!" I love that song. You might not be allowed to play it in your workplace but they can't stop you from being a joyful person. They can't stop you from being a person of faith or goodness or kindness or patience or love or joy or peace. There's no law against that. Against, let's call it, attitudes. Against such attitudes, against such traits, there is no law we might say uh, we could substitute for the word fruit attitudes or traits. The attitudes of the spirit, the traits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Now, let's see. We have nine of them here. I'm saying that it's defining by example what is meant by fruit. We have nine nouns I'm suggesting to you that they refer to attitudes and traits. Well, let's think of another attitude or trait. Should we include it? Could we add it? Is it a possible tenth? What about, for instance, hope? Hope. Could we say, love, joy, peace, hope? Is that of the spirit kind Is that the spirit fruit? You might say, oh, I can't do that. I'm not doing that. The the Bible says nine, and that's it for me. I'm not not going there. I'm not adding a tenth. The nine are named, and that's what I'm going with, and that's what I'll stay with. And I want to tell you, you are being fearful and legalistic, not appreciating the spirit of the word of God. Will you turn with me? uh, to Romans chapter 5.5 5. and while you're going there I want to tell you that this list is actually asking us to think of more because it says against such things what things? such things such what? such kinds such add to the list it's not, it's not the end of the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the word, uh, Romans 5, 5. It says, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope! Produced by the Spirit! The fruit of the Spirit! Oh, there we found it in another place in the word of God. The produce of the spirit is this other trait. This other attitude. It sounds right in keeping with the list of nine in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, hope. It seems to fit right in with the list. And it does because it's of the same kind. So now you might say, all right, grudgingly, I'll add number 10, hope. Well then, how about honesty, purity, empathy? Hmm, I don't know. You're going kind of brother, far, brother Brian. All right, then go to Second Corinthians six six. Second Corinthians six six says: impurity, understanding, patience, kindness. Well, there's patience that was in the list of nine in Galatians chapter five. There's kindness that's in the list of nine in Galatians five. But it's adding here, isn't it? Adding here, purity and understanding, which I'm going to take as empathy. Empathy, understanding. Being able to see where somebody's at, appreciate where somebody's at, the challenges that they're going through, the challenges that they're experiencing. Not being closed and hard-hearted to where somebody else is at, but being empathetic, being able to understand and, and, and uh, walk in their shoes, so to speak. Take a ride in their skin, so to speak. Understanding. And the verse goes on and it says, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. Sincere love. Well, there's love. So this verse talks about the work of the Holy Spirit and it includes, along with love, patience, kindness, it includes also purity, understanding, which I'll call empathy, and sincerity, which I might call honesty. Honest love. Oh, our list of examples of the fruit of the Spirit is now up to 13. Well, we can't stop there. You don't, you don't ever stop at 13, right? You always go at least to 14. 14. It's just a, a thing. But you know what? I'm going to stop right there. I, we, we could go searching for more. But what brings them all together, what puts them in a category, what creates a kind or a type is that they are produced by the Spirit and they are attitudes or traits produced by the Spirit. And what's more, they are of the gentler, kinder, more positive sort I notice that they're all, you know, kind of on the nicer side of the spectrum. So I'm going to stop looking for more. You, f- you go find more. You're, not, you're going to find more than 14. The Spirit produces this. Mm-hmm. Now we have an idea of what fruit is talking about. I want to move on now to point number two. What are we talking about when we talk about effects? Because I think it's worth it to keep effects distinct from fruit, even though they're both the work of the Spirit. This is not just a course that I'm sharing with you about Spirit, taxonomy, so to speak, correctly categorizing gifts, fruits, and effects. We're heading somewhere with this. If you give me a little bit of your time and patience this morning, we'll see if the Spirit has given you the fruit of patience this morning. 2 Corinthians 12.3. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12.3. This is... Famously and importantly, you all should know, this is where we're introduced to the gifts of the Spirit. But I'm turning here to talk to you about the effects of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. I'm going to talk to you about that as an effect of the Holy Spirit. This is clearly the work of the Holy Spirit of God inside a human being. The effect of the Holy Spirit of God will never be to say, you know, Jesus, that man, that it existed almost 2000 years ago he died on the cross for no good reason for no good thing he was not god's son he was not lord of all he was a silly man with a grandiose idea with gri- with overblown ideas about his own identity no one who is moved by the spirit of god will ever say such a thing that's saying jesus was a, was cursed cursed as everyone who hangs on a tree his own fault i had a man tell me uh while i was sharing with him what jesus accomplished on the cross he told me yeah i know i know and jesus was stupid The Spirit of God was not at work in that man. The Spirit of the Antichrist was at work in that man. On the other hand, the Spirit of God will produce this. Someone will say in both words and life that Jesus is Lord. The Lordship of Jesus will be apparent. It will be communicated. This is the effect. Of the Holy Spirit manifesting the Lordship of Jesus Christ is not an attitude or a trait like the fruit of the Spirit and it's more than obedience it is relationship the effect of the Holy Spirit is to bring us into a relationship Lord and Lorded honoring and respecting the Lordship of Jesus Christ It is the effect of the Holy Spirit and an encounter with the holy that brings us into honoring the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not one of the nine very specific spiritual gifts that the apostle is about to start teaching on that are listed later in this chapter. It is one of the primary effects of the Holy Spirit. And the apostle wants to make it clear. If we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we should also understand the effects of the Holy Spirit. The effect of the Holy Spirit is that you will honor the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's one of the prime examples. Go back to verse 1. Same chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit we have here some key words and concepts that are synonyms, you might say, for effect, or at least examples of the effect that the Holy Spirit has. We have these in the words influenced and led. Verse 2 says, when you were pagan somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols implying that the work of the Holy Spirit has led us differently and influenced us differently. Effects of the Holy Spirit, influences of the Holy Spirit. Effects of the Holy Spirit, leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will influence us and lead us in the righteousness of God, in the path of righteousness. He'll lead us home. He'll keep us on target. He'll keep us on the right path. Where is the bullseye? The bullseye is the lordship of Jesus Christ. Before teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he does later in this chapter, the Apostle Paul mentions the effects of the Holy Spirit being influenced and led, not by pagan idols, but by the Holy Spirit. Last week, I stressed with you that the phrase Holy Spirit, I'm talking about the words now, not the person not the person that we think of when we say those words, but I'm talking about the words themselves. They're not a name. You don't put Holy Spirit in your contact list on your cell phone. Last name, Spirit. First name, Holy. In fact, in the Greek language, it is most often Spirit Holy Because in the Greek language, most of the time, not without exception, but most of the time, the noun comes first and the adjectives come second. The Spirit is holy. We should not forget that. That is not a a name. We should just use his name, Holy Spirit, nonchalantly and unthinkingly. He is the Spirit that is holy. If he is with us, he will set the tone of our gathering and of our lives like the, the words holy, holy, holy repeated night and day, day after day by the creatures hovering around the throne of God, two wings covering their faces, giving, giving uh, the impression of shame, two wings covering their feet, giving the impression of humility and carefulness and the fear of God. Two wings using, being used to fly around the throne of God, crying out, holy, 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 setting the tone of heaven. That tone should be set in our lives. That tone should be set in our churches. Holy, holy, holy. They don't say, Giving, giving, giving. Generous, generous, generous. Kind, kind, kind. Gentle, gentle, gentle. Loving, loving, loving. They don't say any of those even though the Lord is all of those things. Don't get me wrong. He's loving, he's kind, he's gentle. He's merciful, he's gracious. He's all of those things. But to set the tone of heaven, the thing that is repeated day and night is holy, holy, holy. Can I hear an amen? Wherever the spirit is at work, the holiness of God will be honored. It is the effect of his presence. I'm not talking about kumbaya. You know, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Oh, he's so near us now, and we all feel comforted with the comforting uh, uh, gathering together of the people and it's around the campfire, and we have—it's such a mood of of uh, gentleness and peace, and it's a little different than holy, holy, holy. When people encountered that, they fell on their faces; their knees shook. That's just the way it is. We say, well, I don't like that quality of God. Well, (laughs) I guess you don't get to say anything about it. It's, It's for us to come into his presence and honor his holiness. And wherever God is at work, Jesus Christ will be honored because Jesus Christ came into this world to honor the holiness of God the great problem in heaven was the holiness of God. It not only set the tone, but it also created an unavoidable problem that heaven is holy, God is holy, he doesn't let unholiness come into his house, he doesn't let unholiness set set foot on his ground, he doesn't let uncleanness come near him. And so what was he going to do with an unclean people like us? Sinners like us, Jesus Christ came to this world to shed his blood on Calvary's cross in honor of the holiness of God, to satisfy the holiness of God. We're not going to appear before him when we die and say, oh God, I really love you, I thank you, I sang kubaya by the campfire so many times and was touched. What did you do with my son? Well, I didn't get it. You know, I'm sorry, I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't get it, I didn't understand it, I didn't make a commitment. And the God is not going to then say, oh, uh, I'm sorry, at his right hand, Jesus, he didn't get you. But I'm going to let him in anyway, because kumbaya, you know what I'm saying, man? Cool? You cool with that? Jesus is going to look at the Father? Father, you know I'm with you all the way. Put his head down a little bit and the Father's going to go to the soul that's appearing before him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You didn't get it? The perfect man on the cross for you? You didn't get it? You didn't get it because you didn't want to get it? No, you can't come in my house without my son. I will never disrespect my son that much. I will not disrespect my son like that. You can disrespect my son and pay the consequences. I will never disrespect my son. You see, the Father is holy when it comes to the Son. And the Son is holy when it comes to the Father. And the Holy Spirit is holy when it comes to them both. (laughs) Hallelujah! Can you imagine that the eternal word of God, read John chapter one, the eternal word of God at a point in time took on human flesh. As far as I can tell from studying the word of God, he still has human flesh even though it is resurrected human flesh, it is human flesh. The same human flesh that you will have when you are resurrected. I don't see anything in the Bible that talks about a second change, a kind of change back into being the eternal word without human flesh. In the book of Revelation, we see a search made for a man who is worthy to take the scroll out of the right hand of him who sits on the throne. A man, and no man was found worthy until Jesus appears on the scene. Amen, the hero of heaven. The man who is worthy. Can you imagine that? God the eternal word took on human flesh for the rest of his, human exist- his eternal existence? Let me say it again because I stumbled over the words a little bit. Can you imagine God the eternal word took on human flesh for the rest of his eternal existence? God is then going to disrespect the one sitting at his right hand and let somebody into heaven without Jesus? Right now, I'm under the effect of the Holy Spirit. The effect of the Holy Spirit is making rise up in me a holy dedication, like a one-mindedness, like a single-mindedness about Jesus. That's an effect of the Holy Spirit. Give me a little more time to develop this concept. Hallelujah. Last week, We talked about the example of Peter, John, and 120 Galileans. The Holy Spirit enabled them to speak to a culture from outside that culture. They were not part of that culture, but they could speak to it. And then it's like the Lord enabled them, almost like they were lifesavers, plucking People out of the dangerous waters around a sinking ship. They were enabled by the Spirit of God to pluck people out of their sinful, crooked pathways and turn them to salvation and eternal life in Jesus Christ with amazing ability. Hallelujah. When they were threatened by a very powerful and violent culture, one that killed Christ. Something like, I'll have to say, the culture we live in right here in, in uh, central New York in 2021 would like to kill the gospel, kill Christ, make us shut up, make us stop. It's violent. Stop it. Be quiet. If you must, do it for an hour on Sunday mornings. But keep it there! Very similar pressure to what James, I'm sorry, John and Peter and the 120 Galileans came under. In just such a time, the Holy Spirit filled and shook the place where they were praying. And they left that place ready to resist the the pressure that they were experiencing. This conviction that they demonstrated, this dedication is not one of the nine gifts of the Holy, uh, not one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, tongues and, and the word of faith and the word of and the knowledge and the word of wisdom and so on, prophecy. This is not one of the fruit or traits that the Holy Spirit produces like love, joy, peace, forbearance, and so on. This is what happens when people have an encounter with the holy. They become single-minded. They become zealous. They become dedicated. And so by the Holy Spirit, Peter would continue to proclaim the message that Jesus is Lord. It is by the spirit that people proclaim Jesus is Lord. That single-mindedness, that dedication to that one concept. Our brother Rocky Ganella just went home to the Lord last night. Was he or was he not single-minded and dedicated to the one concept that there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved than Jesus Christ? Is it true? Was that him? I'm telling you, that was an effect of the Holy Spirit. An encounter with the Holy. He had an encounter at a bar, at a wedding reception with the Holy Spirit and it changed his life. Hallelujah. Let's let's, uh, take a look at the ministry of Peter in the book of Acts and drop down at a few... Passages that illustrate this one mindedness, this single mindedness, which we could say in a way is holiness. Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm telling you, He's Lord. I'm telling you, call on Him. I'm telling you, there's nobody who can't call on Him. Chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He's Lord. This is the effect of the Holy Spirit. Peter is calling Jesus Lord. Remember what we read in 1 Corinthians twelve three: No one can call Jesus as Lord by, except by the Spirit. Chapter 3, verse 14. You disown the holy and righteous one and ask that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Notice, Peter is turning the attention of the people listening to him to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. All is speaking of Peter. He says in Acts 4.10, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given... to mankind by which we must be saved. There is a kind of single-mindedness, single-minded devotion to Jesus Christ in Peter. This is, I'm telling you, this is the effect of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter four, verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Okay, they had an encounter with the holy in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And that encounter brings about a single-minded dedication to the one. The one, Jesus Christ. This dedication can stand up to anything. Any threat can be resisted. Have you had that encounter with the holy? Any threat can be resisted. That is the effect of the Holy Spirit. You can stand up to any human power. Many of these things that Peter said took place, we'll say, in um, stage one of his communications with Jerusalem. Then he and John were arrested and threatened by the authorities. Then they prayed... In response to those threats, and God shook the room with the Holy Spirit, they left that room and continued to put all the focus on Jesus Christ. John chapter 16, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus talked about what the effect of the Holy Spirit would be. I'm headed somewhere with this. Give me a minute. John 16, 13, Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. Do you see that? He Will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. It's uh, uh, popular in many kumbaya churches to sing to the Holy Spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit in song. I've, I've, for years now, I've instructed the worship team at Living Word Church. Please do not sing those songs. Can you find me one, one example of people talking to the Holy Spirit in the whole Bible? I have searched and searched and searched. I cannot find one example in the Bible of people worshiping the Holy Spirit, talking to the Holy Spirit, singing songs to the Holy Spirit. All songs are to be sung to the Father and the Son. And in fact, the effect of the Holy Spirit will be to turn attention away from himself and back toward the Son. The Holy Spirit is holy. He has single-minded dedication to his mission. He is, in a sense, hard-headed. You can't get him off track. You can't twist him off track It's not about creating a kumbaya feeling. It's about honoring the holy. Can I hear an amen? Are you with me on that? Verse 15 says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit has this holy, fierce, single-minded devotion to Christ and he will put, a kind of hard-headedness into us when it comes to Christ. That very hard-headedness, that very single-mindedness that Peter shows in the first chapters of the book of Acts where he is threatened, he is beaten, he is arrested, and he is told, stop sharing in that name. And the more he's told to stop sharing in that name, the more he shares in that name. There's only one name. He says, can I hear an amen? I cannot put in you this single-mindedness. It must take place in you by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So point three, let me put these two things together. The fruit of the Spirit, attitudes and traits, they tend to be on the gentler, nicer, kinder side Love, joy, peace, forbearance, goodness, kindness. We found a few more in other parts of the Bible: hope, sincerity, purity. I don't see there hard-headedness. It doesn't really fit, does it? Even single-mindedness doesn't really fit. Devotedness, I'll call those things the effect of the Holy Spirit. It's very important. Hard-headedness will come into our lives as we become, by the Holy Spirit, by the effect of the Holy Spirit, dedicated to Christ and the gospel. As Peter said, there's no other name But that holy hard-headedness is not meant to look hard-headed across the board. We are not to become hard-headed people. Stubborn heads. Stiff-necked people. God has not called us to become stiff-necked people even though our encounter with the Holy Spirit is going to make us very single-minded about Jesus Christ. But you and I both know that many Christians have a bad name in our culture. And they're called haters and judgmental. And that's because they spread their hardheadedness out about Jesus Christ, they spread it out across the board and become, frankly, stiff-necked, hard-headed, impossible to talk to, people across the board. Where God has called us to love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, hope, rejoicing, self-control. Our dedication, our fierceness, our single-mindedness when it comes to honoring Jesus Christ as Lord does not give us a stamp of approval to be Hard headed, stubborn, stiff necked, across the board, and then put our thumbs in our in our vests and say, I'm hard headed. I'm 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 stiff necked. You can't tell me anything. Ha ha ha. Yeah, because I'm I'm the zeal of the Lord's house has consumed me. It's not what the Lord desires for us. He desires us to be, have the effect of the Holy Spirit on our lives. Whole, I have been countered the holy. Jesus is at the center and must stay in the center. But he wants us to focus on him with the traits of love, joy, peace, and the rest. There is a non-negotiable gospel The center of our faith, Jesus Christ. The centrality of the resurrection. Take a look at the preaching of Peter in Acts 2, 3, and 4. He is so zeroed in on the bullseye, Jesus Christ is Lord. But you do not have the spiritual right to be a hard-headed person. Have hard-headedness as a trait. Hard-headedness is not a fruit of the Spirit. None of the list of the fruits of the Spirit, none of the kind, is in the realm of hardness. They're the opposites of hard-headedness. At the same time as you are single-minded and uncompromising about the gospel and the centrality of Jesus as the worthy hero of heaven, you are to carry with you these traits. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, goodness, kindness, faith, Humility, self control, hope, sincerity, purity. You see how they go together? On the gentler side of the Spirit's qualities, the effect of the Holy Spirit is going to rattle you. It's going to put the fear of God in you, it is going to make you fierce. If there isn't any of that, the only thing we've got is kumbaya around the campfire. It's kind of weak. On the other hand, that is not to be the only thing that moves you. The effect of the holy, holy, holy. The fruit of the Spirit is going to make you more loving, gentle, compassionate, understanding. We're to speak the truth. In love, according to Ephesians chapter 4, 15. not in superiority. That's the problem. When we turn our simple-minded, our single-minded, was that a was that a good mistake right there? When we turn our simple-mindedness, nope, our single-mindedness is not to turn into superiority, insecurity competitiveness, pride, anger. It's not about winning. The word spoken in an attempt to dominate and manipulate is a word spoken by the flesh, not by the spirit. Speak the word. Put the attention on Jesus. Don't ever give up. Never stop being single-minded on the significance of Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. But don't do so out of superiority. You're not superior. He died for you on that cross too. Don't do it out of the need to win a debate. This isn't competition. This is salvation. Have the fruit of the Spirit in your life as well as the effect of of the spirit in your life and that's my word to you this morning oh father God help us to walk with you and to walk in the spirit both in its effects and its gifts and its fruit all of them oh lord in the name of Jesus I pray at a church meeting very soon we hear one of my brethren speak a tongue and another one of my brethren interpret the tongue oh lord let us not lose our gifts. I pray at a meeting soon, O Lord, that one of my brethren will pray for someone else in this congregation who is greatly afflicted by a malady and that you, O Lord, will touch them by your Holy Spirit and heal them instantly and completely. I pray, O Lord, that as the future unfolds that you give us again and again a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge to guide our way a word of prophetic utterance to show us what to prepare for. Oh, Father God, be with us. Be with us, O Lord. Be with us, O great God. Oh, Jesus, be in our very midst. Send your Holy Spirit to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. That's it for today.